Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 145 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover Radio Show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at MarkHenryJr. Underscore. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Uh, besides the you know the, the splint that people are seeing, uh, you know you know all I gotta say, even though I am tumbling down draft boards as I said on the BGN the BGN draft show for anyone who listens to that. Uh, they would hear me say that league sources are indicating I'm tumbling down draft boards. I will say those same league sources are indicating that that I do have that dog in me, considering this is my third podcast of the night um, in a splint. So, you know, some some would question, you know, can I hold up to, to the NFL grind? Some would say, you know, he plays through the pain. Yeah, podcast through the pain. Exactly. He's up for that NFL podcasting. You know, the nice thing is that, you know, this is the last game of the year, a Super Bowl recap show. And then you get, you know, what, nine months off? Well, except it's draft season and we ramp up even more than we don't even get an off season. I think we should get an off season too, but <laughs> that's not the way the cookie crumbles. So uh, what we are doing today, we're going to recap the Super Bowl uh, and then we are going to go back and we're going to go throw it all the way back to episode 121 of Chalk Talk. Back in the preseason, when we drafted award winners and Super Bowl winners and over-unders against each other, we're going to see how that shook out. Uh, so that's the plan for today. We're going to start, though, uh, with our Super Bowl recap. Uh, spoiler alert. I mean, if you haven't watched the game, I don't know why you're listening to a podcast, but I'm sure you all have. So we're going to throw it in here. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in overtime. Uh, the 49ers started the game off really well. They were walking the ball down the fill, field when Christian McCaffrey fumbled on that opening drive. Uh, of course, the Chiefs went three and out, and their offense was really woeful in the first half. They had two punts, and then they had a drive that ended in a red zone fumble before they punted again, and then they finally salvaged a field goal prior to halftime uh, to go into half only down 10-3. to three. Uh, San Francisco scored on a neat little uh, trick double pass play uh, where Brock Purdy threw it to Juwan Jennings, who threw the touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, that was a really nifty little design. I saw somebody dug up that they ran that play like four years ago uh, as well, so that's a nice little throwback. But I think the turning point of this game was the muffed punt by San Francisco. Um, that kind of gets the Chiefs going. The Chiefs scored their only touchdown of the game after that muffed punt. Uh, they took their first lead of the game, after that, uh, 13 to 10. The thing that shocked me the most in this game, Mark, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say something just truly shocked me in this game? I feel like we've podcasted together enough. You might know what I'm referring to. When Kyle Shanahan went for it on fourth down. Absolutely. He did the unthinkable, right? And I'd made fun of him earlier in the game for, for punting, and I called him a coward. He went for it on a fourth and three. But not just any fourth and three. It was from the 15-yard line Down three. When, when a field goal would have tied it with 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. I couldn't believe uh, that he made the decision to go for that. I think it was the right call, but I was really surprised that he did that. And, uh, you know, we can get to bigger discussions about Kyle Shanahan, and I'm sure we will. But he that will. evolution of Kyle Shanahan, if he will stick with that, if that's not just a, 
oh, it's Mahomes on the other sideline, which the offense wasn't doing much for the Chiefs anyways. If he takes that leap, that evolution happens, uh, it will make that team that much more scary. But I was shocked that he went for it, uh, and they were paid off with a touchdown there. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an all-time great game, right? It's one of the great football games of all time. Whether it's like a the best played game ever, I don't know. But the twists and turns and how many things you can point to as being turning points. I actually have a, a different turning point, and I feel like I've heard – the, the fumble, the muff punt's a big one, I, I think. I think, obviously, late in the game, San Fran not being able to get the first down and giving the ball back was a big one. There's so many different turning points. The one that I would say is not being able to capitalize on that interception and punting it back to Kansas City. When, when, when Kansas City was down two possessions um, going into that situation and they didn't and they weren't able to move the ball there, it felt like the game was over um, after that interception. I think that might have been the lowest point for Kansas City, and I'm curious when probability-wise if that was lower or if it was lower towards the end of the game um, would San Fran could have potentially uh, milked the clock. But, yeah, it was it was a uh, an incredible game and one that you could point to for so many reasons. I'm going to start with the Shanahan conversation, just, just to be honest, and because – you know, winners write history, right? That, that, that's how that's how sports are treated. It's how history is treated. And, and I know Shane's a big history a history nerd, so I know he knows that that's true. So it's, it's the Winston Churchill quote that the histories will treat me kindly, for I intend to write them. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a great that's a great quote. And I, I think that there's been a lot of conversations about Andy Reed, you know, how great Andy Reed is and a lot of conversations, Kyle Shanahan, how, you know, he lost in the game and how he's a fraud and how he's a loser and all this stuff. Kyle Shanahan outcoached Andy Reed in this game. In my opinion, I'll, I'll say that quite bluntly. I think that fourth down call um, was really gutsy. I thought that that was a, a the, maybe the best decision anyone made throughout the game the best singular like that probably helped their team's win probability more than any other decision a coach made, I think. And I think Andy calling that timeout instead of challenging a a play that was probably a first down another time where there was probably a first down, they didn't challenge it. And then you go for it or you go for it on third and one and don't get it. And you punt the ball back. Um, That timeout also came three minutes into the third quarter. Uh Um, There was a lot of times in this game. Also, he ran the ball far too much in the first half. And I know the answer to that would be, well, you had to to set the pass up and to do all this stuff. You have Patrick Mahomes. Let, let the let the ball loose. I think he was like six for seven for 90 yards at one point. And then I know he was like 10 for 12. But they, they were not throwing the ball enough, I felt like, in the first half. I didn't feel like they unleashed the playbook. Um, and, you know, they won the game. But – I, I would tell you that I think in the fourth quarter, no one would have said Andy Reid was out coaching Shanahan until they won. Um, but that, that's 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 how it is, obviously, and that's how the game goes. But um, one, I, I think it's important to note that one team has Patrick Mahomes and one team has Brock Purdy, and it's I think it's also important to note that. For everyone that's talking about how much Kyle Shanahan's a loser and how much Andy Reid's just a winner, Kyle Shanahan is Andy Reid 20 years ago 
just with like two more Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, the, there were there was a time when Andy Reid looked a lot like Kyle Shanahan, and Eagles fans are well aware. Uh, he was an excellent coach who couldn't get a ring. I mean, from 2000 to 2004, under Andy Reid, the Eagles won 11 to 13 games every year, and they lost three NFC Championship games in a Super Bowl. And it took a change of scenery, 20 years, and Patrick Mahomes to get over the hump. And he won his first Super Bowl in his 21st season. Um, Kyle Shanahan's been doing it for, what, is he six years as a head Something coach? Like Seven years as a head yeah. coach? And he tried to go get his Mahomes. It ended terribly. And there's a yeah. conversation we could have about that. And there's a conversation we could have about draft generally. Uh, there being a lot of luck involved with draft and how that plays out. Um, I, I obviously don't think the book's closed on Shanahan. I think Shanahan will get a ring at some point. Now, whether it's with San Francisco, I don't know. Uh, that there, We can talk about, you know, what the future looks like for San Francisco and some of those things uh, for my money, though, the best coach on the sideline, the guy that had the best game was Steve Spagnolo. Uh, Spags called an incredible game. Um, the chiefs blitzed on 51% of Brock Purdy's dropbacks. It was their fourth highest rate, not in a game this season in a game under Steve Spagnolo. Uh, they cover zero blitzed Brock Purdy, uh, I think it was four times as much as any other team did this season. They came in with a plan and it was to throw a massive changeup. Uh, they wanted to stack the box, run blitz, cover zero blitz and force Purdy to throw quickly. And it worked really well. Uh, this was the third worst EPA per drive performance by the 49ers offense this season. Wow. Uh, on their first three drives, the second half, you mentioned that they didn't do anything with the interception. On their first three drives of the second half, they had negative two yards. Uh, they had a season-low negative .36 EPA per run. And so, you know, Spags did exactly what he set out to do. He stacked the box. He stopped the run. He forced the ball out of Purdy's hands quickly. And it worked just – it worked so well. And, you know, we talked about this on the BGN Draft Show. And if listeners of Chalk Talk, those will be airing on the Chalk Talk feed uh, after – Starting next week, this will be the last like regular chalk talk before we go into draft mode, but uh, you'll get those shows here. But we talked about how important and how underrated defensive tackle is. Uh, Brock Purdy averaged 1.9 yards per play when Kansas City got interior pressure. Uh, he averaged 9.1 yards per play when they got edge pressure. So, uh, man, getting that interior pressure is so huge. Chris Jones had a good game. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo schemed up a great that they, they generated nine unblocked pressures on Purdy uh, just masterclass from Spags. And we got a comment coming in here from Eagles X's and O's on Twitter. Mark uh, wants to know why Spags didn't get head coach offers. Uh, you want to, you want to talk about that? Yeah, I, I think it's because he's a retread and I think retreads are always harder to get back into the cycle. Um, I, I think it's hard also for defensive coordinators to get into the cycle but I'd say that, and then a lot got hired this time around. So um, this was a little bit of an outlier year in terms of five of the seven coaches going to DCs. So there was a lot of DC candidates. I think he kind of went under the radar because of that, um, and because he's a little bit older. It's a little. It's just not a. It's not a sexy hire to hire the guy who failed as a head coach. He's a little bit older. He's a defensive coordinator. There's a just kind of three things that are, that are weighing against him a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, it's the it's the triumvirate of never getting another head coaching job. You've had one before. You're a defensive coordinator, and you're older. Yeah, it's and I don't weird. honestly, I don't know that he wants to be a head coach either. It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty great situation for him. He just gets to worry about defense and gets credit all the time come Super Bowl time, and he knows he's going to get there, and he, he gets to trust the other side of the ball because he's got Mahomes on the other side of the ball, um, and it allows him to take some chances at times. And I, I mean, that's, a, that's part of, by the way, this Kansas City model um, that has worked out so well. It's having a defensive coordinator that's locked in there for continuity. You don't have to change your scheme every single year. In fact, you can build upon it. Because those guys have stayed in the scheme now. Um, like you see McDuffie, you see Karloftis, you see um, the linebackers uh, that have now been there a couple of years, the, the young guys out there. And they, they just have so many guys that they've put into the scheme. And it's been the same scheme the whole time. They don't have to change it because he's getting hired away. And I, I bet you that Howie Roseman sees that, hears about that, and thinks about that with Vic Fangio. Yeah. And I, I bet you that that's kind of the model that, that they're hoping for with the Fangio. Yeah. Um, two other things I want to talk about game wise, and then we can spin it forward a little bit of big picture for these teams. But uh, the field goals, man, this this game put the foot back in football. And it's a guy who wanted to run all the kickers out of the league earlier in the year, Mark. I, I want to know your thoughts on that. But Jay, so, it's kind of funny. Jake Moody sets a Super Bowl record with a 55 yard field goal. And then Harrison Butker breaks that record with a 57-yard field goal. Uh, Moody also hit from 53. The kickers were a combined 7 of 7 on field goals. How did you feel, uh, Mark, at your Super Bowl party just watching kickers steal all the points? Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, makes you makes you question the, the game I once loved. Um, no, but it's, it's, it shows how crazy kickers are nowadays, like, compared to where they were even when we started this podcast it feels like um just two three years ago it feels like they're so far advanced from from that so uh, i yeah i i'm shocked i saw that people loved the missed field goal prop out there i didn't end up taking either side on it um but yeah it's it's shocking by the way i can't believe i didn't lead with this how about me calling overtime at plus 1200. I mean, that is just, that's one of the great calls on in the history of chalk talk. And I, I think it started here. This was the first place I gave it out. I gave it on the tough cover radio show eventually, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't have, couldn't have went better for me in terms of picking the winner, winning on the winner, getting the Super Bowl MVP, right. You know, getting the, my car my car half sack in the first like five minutes of the game. <laughs> Um, which was a big bet for me. And, and then obviously the overtime was huge. So no, kneel, the overtime also clinched my no kneel down um, yes. to end the game as well. So it was, I cleaned up a little bit this weekend. I, uh, I strung together a parlay and one of the legs on my parlay was Kyle used check over five receiving yards. And like the first play <laughs> of the game, they hit him on a 10 yard reception. I was like, this is too easy. But then I lost it because Debo Samuel, I put, I had him at five catches, five plus catches, and he got targeted 11 times, but he only ended up with three catches. Oh my so God. that one killed it for me. But, uh, so yeah, great call out by you. We should have pulled that clip and tweeted it out, but, uh, I was too busy eating chicken wings. Uh, 
So anyways, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about in this game is how to handle overtime. So obviously this is the first time the new overtime rules come into effect that guarantee a possession for both teams. It has never come into play before. So it hasn't been in the discourse really that much. Uh, Mark, you win the coin toss. Are you kicking or are you taking the ball? So I said right away that you're this is dumb because they were acting like I think even on the on the they reacted, I think Romo and Nance at first um, when when the Niners elected to receive and they were like, oh, big time for the Niners. And then I think Romo did realize or someone got in his headset, like maybe that wasn't the right call. But I was screaming the whole time I would kick the ball. Um, I think having the ball second, you know what you have to get. It's college overtime. I think people who watch college football are generally advantaged in, in that in that situation to know the right decision, um, even though it is different. Um, because you know what you're going to get. And it gave, it gave Kansas City a huge advantage of being able to go for it there. Um, on fourth down, which they probably wouldn't have done had they gotten the ball first on their own side of the field. So that's the advantage. But what I will say is I think Kyle Shanahan had a good answer. I think his mm-hmm. response uh, in, into why they got the ball first, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I once I heard it, I was like, you know what? I hadn't even really thought of it that way because, in my opinion, the team probably would have went for two. Um, yeah. If they scored second and, and Kansas city said that, that, that they would have, or people on Kansas city said that they would have. Um, but having said that, I will say, I, I think Shanahan's reasoning makes sense. And I think a lot of the people uh, that are out there giving him crap and uh, you know, talking about how unprepared he was, I think that's unfair. I think it's a, I think it's a coin toss decision. I think there's logic on both sides, but I think kicking is the correct call. Yeah, um, I agree. Re- the receiver's advantage is getting the ball first if it goes to sudden death, which is what Shanahan wanted. The kicker's advantage is knowing exactly what you need to score, and you can take away the receiver's advantage by going for two, right? So if you take ball first so you can get the ball first in sudden death, I, as the kicking team, can refuse to allow that advantage to ever come into play. And so I think that's the I think that's the right decision. But you have to be willing to go for two in the scenario that both teams score touchdowns. Or you have to be willing to, you know, go for it on fourth and five uh, instead of kicking a 40-yard field goal. Like, you have to make that de- – I mean, obviously, like, fourth and 18, you're going to kick a field goal or something like that. You just have to deal with it. But – I think, I mean, it's something like 65% of the time the team that gets the ball first in sudden death scores a field goal at least versus it's like 50-50 to go for two. So basically, like, you go for two, you got a 50% chance to lose. But if you kick the extra point, you've got a 65% chance to lose. So I think as long as you're okay with going for two, and if you're not, like if you're like, you know, I feel better about my defense stopping a two-point conversion than my offense getting one, that's probably the best justification for taking ball. Uh, but yeah, I think I think kicking's the way to go for that reason. I'd be interested to see like if this comes up again now that it's been on the national radar, uh, what the coaches' thought processes are, but it was kind of uncharted territory. Yeah. 
I I totally agree with everything you said there. And I, I just wanted to to kind of move on to the I feel like we haven't talked about Mahomes and Kelsey enough. And uh-huh. I just want to say, like, can we agree to just not worry about the Chiefs next regular season, no matter what? Like, they could be four and eight. And I think we should be like, I don't know. Like, you win five in a row. Maybe you could sneak in as a wild card and we'll go on a run. Like, I'm just at this point, they are inevitable. And Travis Kelsey had at times looked washed this year. And then he hit his highest miles per hour he did in like two years um, in the playoffs. And then looked like every bit of Travis Kelsey um, in, in the Super Bowl, nine catches for 93 yards on 10 at, targets. At this point, how do you even get excited for a regular season game if you're the Chief, if you're a Chiefs fan? It's like, oh, yeah. we lost to the Raiders. Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. We're going to go to the Super Bowl anyways. Yeah, I mean, 60% chance. Yeah, th- This season was Mahomes' worst by EPA, by success rate, by adjusted net yards per attempt, by explosive play rate. He had his lowest A dot, his highest time to throw, his highest pressure rate. It was his worst performance when pressured. Like by every metric, this was the worst season of his career. And he won back to back Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP. Like, I mean, it's inevitable. And on the 49ers side, like, this is the best team that Kyle Shanahan has ever put together. And it was the worst year of Mahomes' career, and he beat him. And that's got to be incredibly disheartening if you're a. 49ers fan um and I mean let's be honest it's incredibly disheartening if you're a Bills fan or you know these teams just continue to break over you know Patrick Mahomes and and the Chiefs and uh we thought you know we would I never thought we'd go straight from a Patriots dynasty to a Chiefs dynasty but I mean we fully arrived at this point and the Chiefs should be better next year like their receiving room should be better next year. Like I would expect them to be a better football team, but they just won back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, they're only going to get better. Um, these that defense is so young; they have their picks. Um, they don't really have that many guys coming up um, th- that they have to deal with that are all of that importance. Um, Rasheed Rice really stepped up into a role. Uh, I think that they'll probably either go draft a receiver in the first or second round or sign a receiver to like decent money. Um, it's just, they're going to be better and better and better. And it's kind of like everyone says you can't pay a quarterback uh, because the, the rest of your roster won't matter. And Mahomes is obviously a, a, a unicorn um, when it comes to that. But what I'll say is, I'd rather build my team around the homes and I'd ra- I'd be more confident that Kansas city is cutting back here than San Francisco, who is so reliant on the fact that their roster is just so good. That mm-hmm. only lasts so long. You can yeah. only keep that together so long. Uh, there's injuries, there's contracts coming up. There's guys who are going to leave guys who are going to get worse. Whereas Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and you can say the same with Josh Allen say the same with those other top guys but the problem is with those guys they have to deal with Patrick Mahomes and there's only one guy who's ever really done it and it's Tom Brady um and he's not around anymore uh, well, I guess Burrow did it once Burrow Burrow got it done once but Mahomes answered it and got him back for it the next year it's funny I I started doing a QB list um that I'm probably going to tweet out to get people yelling at me um, tomorrow or the day after because people were, were all going nuts about it. 
and I I put I was working it and I was doing it in tears and we'll do that at some point in this offseason I'm sure but number two three four in no order I had Alan Lamar Burrow and I'm naming the tears and it's just you're not a wrestling fan but Roman Reigns is the champion right now and he has this thing that he says about the other top guys in WWE where he goes oh they're my favorite number twos because he's the number one guy and with this it's just Mahomes' favorite number twos. And it's it's uh you know it's it's Burrow it's Lamar and it's Allen and it's a shame but is Jordan Love top ten he's right there he's nine nine eleven nine ten eleven um is where I had him I actually really really struggled and I'm you know, just I'll throw this out there to Shane it's a non Super Bowl question but how would you rank Love Herbert and Lawrence uh oh man. I would probably. Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Yeah, I probably still go. I probably go Herbert Lawrence Love. Yeah, I. I but I, I, I'm. I but I'm scared of small sample size with Love because Love was an elite quarterback down the stretch last year in terms of any metric you want to look at. Uh, I just need to see it again because he started the year so bad and learning on the job. So he's really tough to rank because it was like a tale of two half seasons for him. Yeah, I put it as Lawrence Herbert Love. Um, so I put Lawrence 9, Herbert 10, Love 11. So he just missed my top 10. Um, so, yeah. But that, if you said he's 7 or 8, uh, I would absolutely look into it. Yeah. Yeah. We will definitely do a whole QB ranking show. We'll probably do the head coach rankings again, but that'll all be post-draft stuff because we'll be uh, really focused on the draft in the lead-up to it. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. That's how you want to construct the roster because, I mean, you look at all, I mean, you look at the, and obviously not everybody can have a Mahomes, but you want the quarterback that you feel good about paying because they have, they make up for it. It's so much harder. It's a harder road to walk to build eliteness around, you know, not a bad quarterback. I think Brock, I've said this on Twitter. Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. There's a middle road with him. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago on here. He's probably like 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. And you can win a Super Bowl with that guy. But and they were maybe a muffed pun away, but it it's just it's a tougher road to walk. Um, the margins. The margins just get thin when, yeah. when you don't when you don't have that guy who's a, a true difference maker. Yeah. All right, well, let's throw it back to episode 121 when we took our shot at predicting this season uh, and we did an awards draft. And we will start with MVP. These are the guys that Mark and I picked for MVP. Uh, I had Patrick Mahomes uh, was my first pick. Mark had Jalen Hurts uh, was his first pick. By the way, ultimately, yep, go ahead. I wanted to throw this out there before we moved on from the Mahomes thing, just because his name was still up there. Um, I said this on Twitter. Um, I see the comment. Mahomes wouldn't be the best QB in the NFL without Reed. I, I totally disagree. I think Mahomes is Mahomes. I think Andy Reed is the one who's benefiting in that relationship, if anything, for sure. But anyway, um, Mahomes, I think personally, not only I said before the 2021 Super Bowl, before he lost to Brady, I should say, that I thought he was the most talented football player I've ever seen. In my opinion, he's the most talented team sports athlete of my lifetime. So that's like above any baseball players. It's above LeBron James. Um, I, I think what Mahomes has done in his first six years as a starter is more impressive than any six-year stretch I've ever seen from any other athlete in any sport in my lifetime. Yeah. 
All right. Well, on to MVP. Uh, Mark nailed this one with his third pick of the draft when he took Lamar Jackson at plus 1600. Uh, so Mark wins on the MVP. Uh, our second category was Offensive Player of the Year. And uh, unfortunately, Mark's first pick was Justin Jefferson, who got hurt. Uh, and my first pick, Christian McCaffrey, brought this one home. So we are tied one to one. Then we went defensive player of the year. Uh, Mark took TJ Watt as his top guy. I took Micah Parsons, but then I took Miles Garrett, who ended up winning the award. TJ uh, should have won. I won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. So I am up two to one at this point. And then we get to offensive rookie of the year where uh, Mark's first pick, Bryce Young, didn't look so great. But his second pick, CJ Stroud, lit the league on fire uh, and brought home offensive rookie of the year. So uh, Mark ties it back up two to two. But then we go to defensive rookie of the year uh, where I got Will Anderson. Mark got Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter was the odds on favorite prior to the award being announced, but it was Will Anderson who brought it home, uh, which gave me a three two edge over Mark. Then we go to coach of the year and none of us got it. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Stefanski was coach of the year. He did. He won via a tiebreaker over D'Amico Ryan's by virtue of having more first place votes. I did have D'Amico. Uh, but he ended up at second. So that one's a wash. Uh, we all lose that one. Uh, so I still have a 3-2 edge over Mark. But Mark comes storming back with the first coach fired in Josh McDaniels uh, at plus 700 to tie it up. And I did not change the order. This is the order we drafted them in. And so we were tied up. I had looked these results all up going into the Super Bowl. It would come down to who got the Super Bowl winner. And I'm just going to play for a moment. Uh, when we made our picks here, Mark ended up with the first pick for the Super Bowl winner. Let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, I'll go with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know that oh. Kansas City's probably the right pick, but yeah. the AFC is a lot better than the NFC. And my number three through five, and then my eight through 10 are in the AFC. Uh, so there's just more more contenders, in my opinion, in the AFC. So I'll go with the Eagles. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna take the Chiefs. Uh, but you can insert your stat about and with, with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You've got what an 80 percent chance to make the conference title game. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, whatever the stat is, uh, as long as Patrick Mahomes is under center, the Chiefs have a really good shot. So uh, I'll take the Chiefs for my first pick. All right. So unfortunately for Mark, he went against his gut with the first pick and he took the Eagles that left me to take the chiefs. That lets me edge Mark out in our awards draft four to three. Uh, I thought it was really funny when I was going back to find the clips and things. I wanted to go see who had the first pick on this one. And I just had to pull that clip because I thought it was pretty good. This one came down to overtime too. I had San Fran. Wow. You did. Yeah. And so I, I had tallied these up prior to the Super Bowl and realized it was going to come down to who won the Super Bowl. And uh, <laughs> that added an extra little layer as we were watching it. Uh, but we also did something else. We also did uh, drafted our favorite over under win oh. totals. These did not go well for us, uh, but we'll talk about them real quick. Uh, I took 
We each took five over unders we liked. I took the Rams under six and a half wins. They won 10 games. I took the Buccaneers under six and a half wins. They won nine games. I took the Steelers over eight and a half. They got 10, so I hit that one. Uh, I took the Raiders under six and a half. They won eight. I took the Giants over seven and a half, and they won six. So I only went one and four on my over-unders. Mark, you took the uh, Cleveland Browns under nine and a half. They won 11, remarkably, with all the quarterbacks they played. Uh, You took the Saints under nine and a half. They won nine. So you hit that one. You took the Seahawks over eight and a half. They won nine. You took the Jags over nine and a half, and they won nine. And you took the Chiefs over 11 and a half, and they won 11. And so Mark went two and three, hitting the Saints and Jags each by a half a game. And two of his three misses were by a half a game as well. So Mark was like right on that edge. I wasn't even close. I missed game. I missed teams by like three and a half wins. So Mark took me on over unders. I took him on awards. Uh, so I guess technically, if we just like average those out, we each got five things right. I don't know. How, I don't know how we do it, but we we either tied or I won the awards and you won the over unders. However, you want to think about that. Whatever lets yeah. you sleep better at night. Yeah. So. There you have it. Uh, you guys can go back and listen. I'm sure there's all kinds of crazy things we said. It was episode 121 uh, of Chalk Talk. Uh, Mark, do you even remember making any of those picks? No, uh, I I remember uh, remember how high I was on the Jags though, because I had Trevor Lawrence in the MVP. I had Doug Peterson, coach of the year. I had Jags. Yeah, wild pick. I will say, what were they like? Eight and three, eight and two. Yeah, they had that. They had that game against Baltimore that was for the one seed. If they would have won that game, they would have been the one seed at that time. Yeah. If the Eagles collapse hadn't happened this same year, the Jags collapse might be one of the worst collapses in NFL history. Yeah, part of the reason that that's not a fact too is though that no one no one cares about the Jags. That's the problem. That's like that's the thing. Like if the if the Eagles had the Jags collapse and the Jags had the Eagles collapse. The Eagles collapse would be the, it's just how it is. Uh, I still can't believe the Rams not only went over six and a half, but went to the playoffs. I was right there with you. If you didn't take that, that would have been my first pick too. We were both on that, on that beat. And you know what we did? We disrespected Sean McVay. I mean, that guy is just truly the, you know, in my opinion, the top, a top three coach in the NFL. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to about do it for this episode of Chalk Talk. Mark, do you have any final thoughts that you want to get out there? No, listen to the BGN Draft Pod, which will be on the Chalk Talk feed. Um, we're excited. Uh, it's We're doing running backs next week. We just did a mock draft. Uh, we did a couple dueling Eagles mocks with different kind of obje- objectives. Um, so uh, it'll be fun kind of deep diving into, into the draft head first. I have my my top 150 sitting out in front of me uh, on a sheet here, which I, I think I'm uh, the BGN draft pod has allowed me to be a little bit more prepped than I usually am before Valentine's day for the NFL draft. All right. Yeah. Uh, you guys be sure to check that out again. It will be on the chalk talk feed. The intro will sound different and all of that. That's okay. Uh, it, it's, it's supposed to be here. You don't have to go, go to the BGN feed that helps us out there as well. But uh if you're not a fan of the Eagles, you will hear us mention the Eagles, but we're going to cover every position for the draft regardless of team. So we may talk a little bit more Eagles slanted in that show, but regardless of what team you like, you can stick here 
uh, all the way to the draft to get all the information you need. So uh, thank you guys for joining us for episode 145 of Chalk Talk. If you enjoy the show, be sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. Give us a five-star rating uh, and review wherever you stream your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. And for the last time till after the draft, we're going to play it out with our theme song. And we'll catch you guys next time.